Welcome back for another week of Last Ones at the Bar. My name is William Henry, and I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee and Lavelle Jackson. We're here to talk about all the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. Um, fellas, I'm going to start you off uh, this week by asking you an important question, because yesterday I looked up and I saw that versus they got a special one coming up in about two weeks. They got Big Daddy Kane versus Karis One. Do you guys have any um, idea who's going to take that that battle? Uh, I think Big Daddy Kane is going to take it. Even though I want to say I like KRS One, I'll just say I saw them both perform live before, and I think from the format if they use the format that's been that they've been using. I think Kane's going to take them. Danny, that might be a little bit before your time, though. Maybe a little bit. I was going to let y'all cook on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you don't have any any dog in a fight? No, I I, I watch because I respect the craft, but I don't have a dog in it. As long as I yeah. get a good, clean fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good, clean fight. It's going to be a goodie. Uh, to me, it's like this. It's like Kane, he has a, a good shot. It's just I know Kane has about a good 13 to 15 real solid, you know, tracks that he can bring to the table. He got about five that I don't know if anybody can beat those five, but a good 13 or 15 altogether. But that's if you include some of those tracks that he was on with like Biz Markey, you add in like the symphony. I just don't know where he's going to get those other seven to five to seven other songs to compete with Chris. Now, on the flip side of that, KRS, to me, it's kind of um, it's kind of tricky because of the fact that he has so much, and KRS is a wild card. You don't know what he's gonna do. You don't know if he's just if he just gives you like the bridge is over or songs for the first three to five CDs that he put out, then he'll win easily. I shouldn't say easily, but it'll be a, a huge separation between the two after a while. But I just don't know because he might start playing some new songs that people don't know about, or you know, he might freestyle or something like that and it just depends on preference at that particular moment but it's going to be a goodie because both of them are craftsmen and um they're going to be you know the crowd is going to be pleased with this now you're absolutely correct though and i and i and i agree with you and that he might even give it up because of the the fact that i've, I've been to a show and seen him freestyle 60 to 70 percent of the show when Kane and, and Dougie Fresh was on the bill. So, but we'll see. He, he, he could, KRS could actually win it if he just plays by the rules. Yeah, yeah. If he, if he, like, sticks to, like, what majority of the people are there to hear. It's just, like you say, with him, he's such a wild card. You don't know what it is he's going to do. And I don't see KRS-1 being somebody that's going to take advice from somebody and be like, no, you use these songs right here. He's going to do what it is that he wants to do, you know, in that particular moment. But we shall see. I think we're all going to be entertained, and I look forward to that versus on October 17th. Now, today, what I'm, what we're going to do is we, we got, like, a, a lot of topics that we're going to discuss. Some predictions. Um, we're going to do a recap, and then we got some hot topics that we're going to discuss. But next week is going to be that trilogy match between Deontay Wilder and the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Um, the question that I have for you, fellas, because we kind of already – made our predictions and um i think now what we can do is is think about what a win would do for each guy so that being the question what do you think a win would do for the bronze bomber 
and what would a win do for the Gypsy King? Well, a win for uh, Deontay Wilder, I think that redeems his, you know, value as a heavyweight. You know, he he has that chip on his shoulder uh, from the last loss uh, with Fury. Um, so I guess it'll redeem him, you know, redeem him in the eyes of the public. And we know that's very possible because he has that eraser that can work at any time, regardless of, of how you feel about how that fight goes. That said, it's interesting to, because I think depending on who wins this fight, what happens next could be different. Like, obviously the winner should get uh, Alexander Usyk, and, and we already went over how those guys would do against him. Um, but if Fury wins this fight, then I think it, it closes the lid more than if Wilder Fury wins that fight. Because if Wilder wins that fight, they're, you know, the record is they're all they're one, one, and one. It's, you know, each one would have a win and then there's the draw. So it's still it's almost like a fourth fight would still be on the table versus uh, if if Fury wins. Um, but it's it's, it's an interesting fight, you know. It, I, I still don't know what's going to happen. You know, we look at how they train and, and the events leading up to this fight. So uh, I'll just say, listeners, check it out next week. Yeah, I think this fight has huge um, implications, you know, for the, the winner and, and potentially the loser. For me, as far as Wilder is concerned, it's going to be, it's, it's a lot of layers to this because he has that, to him, he feels like, Fury cheated in both fights. So if he's victorious, then, you know, potentially he may be looked at as having a valid claim, you know, as opposed to how people perceive him now. A lot of people just think that he made excuses, you know, in a losing effort or he's just flat out a crybaby. You know what I mean? And I think that he'll get, he'll feel vindicated um, by the claims that he made against, against Fury. Also, I think that this would be a huge victory for Wilder because it puts him back on the, you know, top of the mountain, you know, it puts him in line for that unification match against Usyk um, possibly, or AJ, if AJ is victorious in their rematch, you know, I think it also, depending on how he wins, you know, he would be maybe, you know, considered the baddest man in boxing, you know, with that power that he has, depending on how he, he, he wins, if he wins, you know, definitely the baddest man in America because that's, he'd be the heavyweight champ has that WBC belt, and he would have righted a wrong in his career. And then I think also what it'll do, it, it'll undoubtedly, you know, make him the A-side versus all other heavyweights, probably with the exception of, of Usyk. I think they're probably parallel with one another when it comes to negotiation. So a win for Wilder does wonders, you know, for him. And then a win for uh, Fury, I don't think it, it's as much because of the expectations. Now, before, when they fought, it was the other way around. Because if Wilder would have beat Fury that first fight, then it would have been like, oh, you're supposed to beat him. He's off so long, you know, this, that, and a third. But as far as Fury, now, you know, things to me would just remain status quo for him because people are even questioning, like, why are they even having this fight? You know, why isn't Fury fighting someone else? So they're looking at it from that standpoint. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, a Wilder win doesn't do um, that much for, you know, his career. And then if he wins also, you just don't know. Fury's another, you know, talk about wild cards. He's a wild card. He may take some time off, you know. He may come back, fight another, a, a few unknown opponents. You know, who, who knows with him, you know. But I think there's some serious questions to be asked, you know, if he doesn't win, you know, because of the fact that 
he did he demolished Wilder in such a relatively easy fashion last time. So you would you probably scratch your head as to why you know he's unable to do it. It depends on how the fight plays out, though. You know. Yeah, I do agree in the sense that if Fury wins, it doesn't change much. But he'll also kind of unfortunately be in an indefinite holding pattern to unify the belts, especially if Joshua beats Usyk in a rematch. Now, if Usyk wins, whenever they fight again, probably early next year, then I imagine that at some point, late 2022, then we'll see a Fury and Usyk unification. If AJ wins, then there's a chance that the winner will have to wait for the results of like a trilogy fight. Um, but in the interim, I actually saw yesterday that what, what they're looking at is if Fury wins and if Dillian White wins, at the end of the month, they'll be poised for a UK mega fight at some point in 2022. So that's what it was like for Fury. But outside of that, he doesn't really win much from winning out, outside of that. You know what I mean? To, to your point, Will. Uh, now, if Wilder wins, I, I personally think that some of his claims about the last fight would be validated. Like, some of this stuff is always going to be, like, hearsay. But, like, for him saying that maybe, like, the suit weighed him down or something like that, I will agree that, like, he, there was something that looked off about him in that fight. I don't know if it was because he got hurt early or if it really was the suit weighing him down, but I do feel like that claim would be validated if he were to win and look better doing it. Because if he wins, I don't think it will be by decision. I think it would be by knockout. But, um, you know, like you guys said, there'll be one, one, and one. And, it's, and then it begs the question, okay, is there going to be like a fourth fight to really settle the score? I do think that if Wilder happens to lose, he'll be okay because he's going to give you an exciting fight regardless. And so people are still going to want to see him fight and knock people out. But that's kind of how I see it. Uh, before we move forward, just for, you know, in case we have any new people watching or listening, uh, do you mind, you guys might give like a quick, maybe like few seconds prediction of who you think we're going to win? Like just kind of recap your prediction from a few months ago. Uh, that, that, that's even harder today. I think, you know, we go through training camps, like multiple training camps. We don't know how it's going to affect, you know, Wilder. And then with Fury, we don't know where his head's at. And a lot of these questions, they don't, they seem to not going to get answered until the fight happens. But if I had if I had to put money on it, I would put money on that Fury is not as 100% as he was last time. He's not as trained and that Wilder finally catches up to him maybe in the mid to late rounds in a fight that Fury is winning. And Fury doesn't get up this time. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, for my full prediction, hopefully, you know, if any listeners didn't check out when we did our predictions, you can go back and we gave a full lengthy uh, reason and rationale why we thought whoever we selected was going to win. But just to give a, a brief synopsis of what I was saying, I would say that I would lean towards Fury. Um, I would say 55, 45. And the reasons why is because, you know, thinking about the first two fights, with the exception of maybe, I think Wilder won maybe four or five rounds out of the two fights. And so when you, you look at, the way both guys fight is just something about Fury is just like his body rhythm, his style, it frustrates Wilder. And so I just think he has an advantage there. But like we all know, Wilder has the equalizer. And 
it all depends. If Wilder is the same Wilder that he was prior to being stopped in their last fight, I think he has a legitimate shot because he looks good. He looks good. The only thing that I'm kind of skeptical on with Wilder is all of the work that he's putting in is just his legs still look so small, you know, and, you know, that can't be a good thing if, if Fury gets to clipping him on that chin. I don't know, you know, if those legs is, are, are going to hold up. But all in all, I think that um, I slightly lean toward Fury. I just think, and the reason why I'm upping it up to 45% for Wilder also is because he wants this so bad. You know what I mean? I think that he's one of those guys that, you know, he's he literally would rather die than to lose this fight against Fury. And so when somebody has that type of passion, he, he's going to be tough to beat. You know, and I don't think I think Fury may play certain games and he may seem like he's playing around here and there, but he's taking this fight seriously. He knows what water brings to the table, especially as far as their power. So he'll be ready. You know, it's just a matter if he can go 12 rounds without getting clipped by one of those bombs. But we shall see. But my prediction, 55-45 in favor of the Gypsy King. But I'm rooting for the bronze bomber. Yeah, I because of what he stands for, I personally want, I, I, I like to see Wilder win, like, in life. You know what I mean? Like, outside of boxing, because life is bigger than boxing. But just off of, like, what I hear him say and his actions and stuff like that, I, I hear him say he's been, like, reinvented, but I have concerns about that because he, does, he doesn't necessarily seem to accept his loss before. I feel like in order to reinvent yourself, you got to accept what you did wrong. He feels like he's 100% vindicated and all of his claims and everything. Um, so I have doubts that he has really reinvented himself. And I, I could see another Fury stoppage in the mirror round. That's my short prediction. So we're going to move on to these main undercards for that same event. Robert Hellenius is going to be fighting Adam Konoski. Uh, How do you see that going, Will? So we got Robert Hellenius, the Nordic nightmare out of Finland, who's 33 with 19 KOs, 79-inch reach. He has uh, some nice victories against Derek Chisora, Samuel Peter, Lamont Brewster, and he has some notable losses against Gerald Washington and Dillian White. Against the baby face man known as Adam Kowalowski, you know, he's 21 with 15 KOs. He has victories over Chris Ariola. Um, he defeated Gerald Washington. He also has a victory over Charles Martin. Now, this is a rematch, you know, has knocked out Kanowski in the fourth round. You know, if this fight is half as exciting as the first one, then we're going to be in for a treat. As a matter of fact, I think we got this going to be the night of the main events because this could be, you know, a main event fight as well. Um, in the first fight, Kanowski, you know, he kept coming inside, but he was so open defensively, and eventually Helena's took advantage and, and stopped him, you know. In this fight, I don't think Helenus is going to change much, especially at this stage of his career. Um, and he, he's going to use all the physical advantages that he has, you know, being taller, longer reach. You know, he'll try to keep Kanowski on the outside. And now um, you, you got to add in the fact that he's got the confidence to know that he can hurt Kanowski. And I think he's going to play a safe early and keep Kanowski at the end of that jab, you know, stay defensively sound and look to get him, you know, out of there when Kalinowski, you know, starts to get fatigued. Now, Kalinowski, he likes to come forward. Only problem is, like I said, he, he has very little head movement, and I don't know if he's going to be able to correct that problem, especially over 12 rounds, 
in this rematch. Now, probably what contributed to Kalinowski's loss is that I don't think, I don't believe that he was, that he thought that Helenus could hurt him in the first fight, but now he's fully aware. So in this fight, my prediction is that Kalinowski is going to come out throwing bombs and Helenus is going to play a safe because that's his temperament. But I think that he's going to begin to land some of the bigger shots and somewhere between the fifth and 12th, I think, we're going to see a replay of the first fight. So my prediction is Robert Helenus by KO or stoppage mid to late rounds. You guys have anything on that, uh, that bout? Uh, yeah, I, I say that uh, Kalinowski, I, I, I think this is going to be a very, very, very entertaining fight, but I think Kalinowski is going to take Helenius more serious, and I think he's going to eventually wear Helenius down in uh, mid to late rounds uh, stoppage. Now, moving along, uh, also on the undercard, uh, we have what looks like it's going to be a, a pretty decent uh, heavyweight scrap uh, against Afe, uh, Afi uh, Jagbe and uh, Frank Sanchez. Uh, what do you guys, how you guys see this fight going? Actually, I think this, like I said, I think this is kind of like the night of the main events. Don King used to put on cards like this where you had like the top to bottom, you know, fights that could actually be main events. To the known, you know, not in the main events. You got, you know, FA Ajagba, who's 15 over 12 KOs, they call him the only one. Physical specimen, 6'6, 85 inch reach, is 27 years old. I don't know if I've ever seen someone have that long length of reach. Um, I'm not sure. I remember Carlos Truth Williams had maybe an 84, 85 inch reach, but that is like a really nice advantage to have as a, as a heavyweight or any weight class, if you will. He's going to be fighting Frank Sanchez. They call him the Flash. He's 18-0, 13 KOs. He's out of Cuba. They say he's 29 years old. When I look at him, I'm not so certain that he's really 29. He could be close to 39. But he has 78-inch reach. He's 6'4". And, you know, he is a solid amateur as well, 214. He racked up 214 amateur victories. Ajagba, he's coming off the highlight reel, you know, knockout of the year candidate in Brian, uh, when he beat Brian Howard in his last outing. Uh, matter of fact, Sanchez also defeated Howard by KO, but he did it in more of a, a surgical fashion than Ajaba. Ajaba just got him out of there with a huge right hand. And that was all she wrote. Now, um, as far as each fighter, uh, let's be clear, you know, Ajaba, he gets like a butts. You know, he has a nice, powerful Nice jab, and then also a powerful right hand. He appears to be able to have stamina for days, you know. His energy level doesn't drop, you know, uh, throughout his fights from what I've seen. And then, um, I think what he lacks is, like, the head movement. And sometimes he appears to be a little robotic, you know, at times in his fight, fights. Um, as far as Sanchez, I haven't seen many flaws in his, in his, in his uh, fights that I've seen. He's very fast, you know, for a heavyweight. And he fights out of the, the Eddie uh, Reynoso camp. So he's over there with Canelo, you know, Ryan Garcia, and Oscar Valdez, you know, that crew. You take a look at this guy, you know, based on the level of opposition, I don't know what to make of it, but just based on skill, he's really good, really good compact style, nice jab, powerful right hand, technically sound. You know, and when he smells blood, he goes for the kill, you know. But the other thing, he can also box. Very well-rounded. You know, fighter, you know, a very calculated type 
tactician, you know. Um, again, this fight right here definitely could steal the show, you know. I think based on my predictions in terms of what I see, this is basically a 50-50 fight. Sanchez, I think he'll be moving um, in and out. You know, that's typically what he does in this fight, and I can see them doing that against the Jaguar. I anticipate him circling to the left, you know, to take some mustard off of that big right hand, kind of like Usyk did against Joshua. Uh, not the same way, but it's going to be the same objective. Um, Ajagba will be looking to either, you know, utilize that seven-inch reach advantage that he has by throwing that jab, you know, land a big right hand, but also Ajagba could take the approach where he's going to, you know, get inside and kind of rough Sanchez up, you know, to set up his big shots. Again, truly a 50-50 fight. You know, do you go with the guy who has, you know, power for days and a jogger, or do you go with the guy who has the skill and the speed of a Sanchez? I'm going to, you know, make a bold prediction and go with Sanchez, though. I think that in this situation, I'm going to go with a guy who just can win in various ways, who is more multidimensional. And so I think that he's going to win. I'm not sure if it's going to be any type of stoppage or anything like that, but I think that he can be skilled enough where he can win, you know, a 12 round six. You guys have anything on this about? Yeah, just, uh, I, I really don't know who wins this fight and props to, uh, Jaguar for taking this fight. Um, uh, I, I think Sanchez is the, is the type of fighter that you, if we have a fighter that's up and coming like a Jaguar, you try to, most promoters try to steer them away from a fighter like that. But, uh, you know, props to him. And, and you know, uh, the unofficial rule, man, sometimes you got to look really pay attention to the Cubans, man. They, they, they're, they're boxing system and how they train. And when they when they get into the pros, they're always those guys that you, you don't hear a lot about but, but can beat you. So this, this will be an interesting fight. Yeah, I would just add that I'm I'm super excited about this fight. Like you said, Will, it's a 50-50 fight. Um, I think it has, if not fight of the year potential, at least like knockout of the year potential. And um, yeah, I just I think it's overall a real good heavyweight card. And um, if Sanchez wins, then that's just like adding another notch in Eddie Reynoso's already solidified belt as trainer of the year. But um, I think it'll be a good scrap. No, I was just going to say if I think both of these guys, a win, depending on how they look, they're going to be some avoided dudes, man. Like, it's going to be hard to get some of them upper echelon guys to face them. They're going to want somebody else, you know, to take on that smoke before they ever, you know, put themselves in a situation where they want to face somebody like that because Sanchez is so skilled. Like I, said, I just don't know how old he is and how long he's going to be able to be as quick as he is and have mm -hmm. reflexes and things like that. But that boy, he looks like he's the goods. And then the Jogba, who wants to be in there with somebody who punches like that? You know, he punches like a mule kick, man. So like, like you both said that, you know, I'm just looking forward to see, you know, how it plays out. Yeah. That reaches like, like he could punch you from around the corner. You feel me? You wouldn't even see it coming. Well, look, good good thing is, is, you know, those fighters, they have to deal with that type of stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. See y'all on Monday in the, in the break room. Um, <laughs> but we have one more undercard to go through on the prelim. And this is really main card worthy. But on the prelim, we have Edgar Berlanga 
who is fighting Marcelo Cosetis. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Well, you got um, the chosen one, you know, Edgar Berlinga, you know, 17 old, 16 KOs, 24 years old, 6'1", 73-inch reach, versus Marcelo Esteban Cosetis. He calls himself El Terrible, El Terrible. I like the name. You know, Eric Morales was one of my favorite fighters coming up. He's 32 and 1 with 16 KOs, 30 years old, uh, 5'11". Um, his most notable fight was a an 11th round TKO loss against Billy Joe Saunders in 2019. Now, when I checked that fight out, I could have sworn that he was up in a fight until he got stopped. He... he, he um, made a very good account of himself in that fight but since then he's had a loss against a guy who's like 15 and i want to say had three or four losses so i think that's probably the reason why um berlinga's camp you know chose this guy um berlinga like we say he's he's has power in both hands in his last outing he fought against demond nicholson and that was the first time that he went the distance. But he knocked down Nicholson, I want to say like three or four times, you know, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, and this is going to be the first time he's won 10 rounds. So this is going to be a good measuring stick for Berlinga, you know, to see where he is. And it's going to be interesting because if he doesn't get uh, Cassettes out of there, you know, in the first five, six rounds, you know, it's always interesting to see how guys like power punches do, you know, once they are extended and they get into uncharted territory. So, you know, like I said, it's a good measuring stick. And I, I think Berlinga, you know, I'm not buying into the hype, you know, per se. I think Berlinga is more like an Omar Shika type fighter. I don't know if you guys remember him, but back in the day, he was similar in a, in a sense that he piled up a lot of early knockout victories. And so they were looking at him like this big, huge power puncher. But eventually he settled into his career once he started fighting, you know, better opposition. Then those KOs were not coming. And, you know, he sustained a few injuries and stuff like that, too, because it's a little bit more difficult, you know, once you go against that that tougher, you know, opposition because they're more durable and they bring something, you know, to the table as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know if Caceres is going to be the guy that, you know, puts a blemish on his, his record, but... I think this is going to be a competitive fight, you know, until Berlinga gets him out of there. So I predict Berlinga, I think it's like a 60-40 fight, but it's a good step up out for Edgar Berlinga. What do you guys think? I'm excited to see this fight. And like you said, there is, Cosetis has that history and he pretty much, he, he challenged Billy Joe uh, for a little bit in that fight there. And so, I'm gonna. I'm real interested to see how Berlanga responds to that, both with the added rounds and to a style like Cosetis. And so, I think it's gonna answer a lot of questions about him. Like, is he ready to move to the next level yet? I do fear. Like on one hand, I, I heard him talk, and he was saying like he he's kind of relieved to have that monkey off his back in terms of like the pressure of being like a first round knockout artist. But then, like, I do have concerns that, yeah, once he gets to that next level or at some point as he's, like, trying to climb that ladder, he's kind of, you know, he may be, there might be some, like, exposing going on in terms of, like, who he really is as a fighter. Not saying that's going to happen, but there's a possibility that could happen. So 
I, I'm just excited. I think it'll be a good fight, and I, I'm looking forward to those questions getting answered, at least some of them. Yeah, I think he's going to get exposed, you know, to a certain degree as he steps up the level of his opposition because there's some chinks in his armor. It's just that power. You know what I mean? You, I, I want to know how serious that power is once he fights better guys. Like, some guys may be able to absorb that. And then, then what do you do? Like, if somebody's taking some of your better shots, like, that could be – like, some guys can feel defeated. Like, dang, I can't even get this guy out of there. And then they start putting a little something on you, and you're not used to that. And so that's where the, the situation is going to derive. But the other thing is, for the most part, he really hasn't had to set up anything to get the knockout. He just, like, sees the opening, pow, and nobody really has a stance or, you know, they do certain things that's going to offset what he likes to do. And so that's when he's going to really start to, you know, educate himself in the game is once he fights guys like that. You know, I think that Cassettes can do it to a certain degree, but I just think his skill level and his level of opposition outside of B.J. Saunders um, may not be able to uh, enable him to be able, you know, to take advantage of certain opportunities that are certainly going to be there against Berlinka. All right, so yesterday, um, Chris Eubank, he was supposed to fight a main event out in the U.K., but for some reason, his fight got canceled. So they bumped the David Avenese and Liam Taylor fight to the main event. And so did you guys check out the David Avenese and Liam Taylor bout um, yesterday? And then what did you think about Abby's performance and defending his European title? Yeah, I checked this fight out. Uh, it was entertaining for how long that it did last. Uh, David Avenese and... Uh, it came to this bout 27 and three with 15 knockouts, uh, with wins over uh, Shane Mosley and uh, uh, his last fight, I believe, was Josh Kelly, who was undefeated. Uh, and he has losses to Lamont Peterson and uh, Mean Machine. Uh, he came in this fight with Liam Taylor, who has basically more so been confined to uh, the UK, coming in this uh, fight 23, uh, 23 wins, one loss, and one draw. Now, coming in this fight, uh, as soon as it started, Avenizian, he was, you know, pressing forward, coming forward uh, with the high guard, uh, catching um, Taylor's punches on him, you know, on his guard. But he was coming forward and he was throwing these combinations that really caught uh, Taylor off guard. I mean, he was throwing, you know, uh, uppercuts and left hooks. And it was it seemed like some of those punches, uh, it, whenever it's getting through, it, it affected Taylor to a point where, you know, uh, even though Taylor was fighting back and he was landing his share of shots, uh, he wasn't the puncher in that fight. He was backing up. And then Avenizian, uh, he was throwing these uppercuts, these beautiful uppercuts. He put Taylor down uh, near the end of the, 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 the first round with the right hand, which dropped Taylor to his knee. Um, Taylor got up, finished the round. Second round, it was the same thing. Avenizian, he, he got right to it, just throwing these uh, hooks and uppercuts and uh, Taylor was, was trying to fight back, but he wasn't really, you know, trying to box Avenesian or do anything else or train or change the game plan. And he fell right into uh, Avenesian's fight. Uh, and it was interesting how the ending came where they were basically squared up in close range. Both had their hands up. 
Uh, and it was a period of like two or three seconds where, you know, nothing would happen, where Avenizan was just waiting and he threw this just left hook right around the guard and caught uh, Taylor right, right on the side of the, uh, the jaw. And Taylor basically just, you know, got hurt, couldn't take it. And it, a couple shots later, that was all she wrote. Uh, the fight was stopped. Now it's interesting how this makes Avenizan looks like a monster. I think he is a, a pretty good fighter. And he's one of those fighters that, you know, uh, if you ever want to test your fighter that's coming up, uh, he's the fighter you want to take seriously because he can get you uh, if, if you don't have the goods. So, it, you know, it was a good win for him, for Avenesian. And, you know, he, he's always an inter- been an entertaining fighter. Yes, sir. Uh, Avenesian, I like to call him, he's like Tom. And, and whoever he's fighting is Jerry, because whoever he fights is, is is on site. You know what I mean? You know, Tom and Jerry, they just get at it as soon as they see each other. And that's the approach that he took in his fight, where out the gate, he stepped to Taylor. You know what I'm saying? So aggressively, he forced Taylor to slug it out with him. And that's not Taylor game. Only 11 KOs in those 23 victories. And so, again, Avenizan is one of those guys, you got to get his respect. And if you don't get his respect, it's going to get ugly because he just kept working on working on. He was working him over. And not to say Taylor wasn't landing anything. It's just he didn't have the power or strength to keep Avenies and off of, him. you know, like you said, he dropped him in the first because he just overwhelmed him, you know. And then in that second round, he just continued to be ferocious. And then the whole action like that was one of the probably best rounds of the year that first round like like i say taylor was you know having some success it just he couldn't keep up with him you know as far as the power and the aggression he's a tenacious dude you know and like you said he eventually you know caught him on the ropes smacked him i want to say it was a left hook that really was the end of the fight the referee was trying to get in there but he just landed a couple more you know punches that didn't help you know uh taylor's calls but Excellent win. Those European guys, I don't think it's anybody over there that could mess with Avenese. And he's a terror over there. But, you know, and like you said, he's a former, you know, WBA champ. And um, he lost that title to Lamont Peterson. I want to say it was 2017. But he's a solid dude. You know what I mean? And I hope that, you know, for his sake, if he stay out there in the UK, he can make money doing that. Then, you know, keep doing that. You know what I mean? Because his career can extend out for several years just doing what it is he's doing out there. But, you know, as far as like boxing is concerned, if he wants another crack at one of those world titles, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight against somebody like a Virgil Ortiz or Boots Ennis or even a Montes uh, Stanionis, you know, one of those guys, you know, so they can see where they are, you know what I mean? Because he's definitely a good measuring stick as well. But, you know, solid win for Avenesia. Moving right along, uh, there's supposed to be a fight. Uh, it was supposed to take place tomorrow on the Triller. Uh, Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis. Uh, this fight has definitely been canceled by Triller. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that? So, on so some of you guys may recall on February 26th, when the first bid first went up, Triller Fight Club kind of surprised the whole boxing promotional world when they won the Lopez Cambosis purse bid. And they put up an astronomical amount. It was uh, like $6.018 million. Now, as of this past Saturday, Triller was nearly $10 million in a hole. They had several date changes. They had no fight. They had nothing to really show for it. And their COO told Yahoo Sports they've basically given up on promoting the mandatory title defense. And now, long story short, the original April card 
fell through and then June fell through and then August fell through for a variety of reasons. And throughout all that, the IBF had this deadline of October 17th. So, you know, Triller wins his purse bid and they're trying to stay within that constraint. And by this point, the only options were the 4th and the 16th of October. So one of the executives pushed for the for the date of the 4th, which you said, Vel, but um, that wouldn't have been wise because, you know, you got a pay-per-view fight competing with a free Monday night football game. And then later that week, you had a more popular pay-per-view fight in the Fury and Wilder card. And so it was like, okay, who's going to pay for that on this particular weekend or date? Um, another issue for the October dates that was less reported, but there were no available return flights to Sydney until early November. And so, you know, with it being an October card, that puts Cambosos in a position where after the fight, he basically stranded in the U.S., not stranded, but, you know, he's got to wait in the U.S. until early November. And then once he gets out there, he has to begin Australia's mandatory quarantine. So we're talking like, you know, mid-November, late November until he's like back home and settled after early October fight. Now, Kimbosos was initially asking for more money in the amount of like around 400K and Triller wasn't conceding. And so he just stopped responding. So there was a $37,000 flight that he was supposed to have taken at the end of September for their fourth date. And they just, he, he didn't board a plane or anything. So it kind of left Trilla with egg on their face because they were starting to promote the 16th date, like in hoping that Cambosos would concede, but he never did. So now they're in a position where it's kind of in the IBF's hands, to either extend the date or move on to the next mandatory challenger. If they extend, Matchroom was the next highest bidder, but it was about half the amount. So the fighters taking half the amount. Um, and we could be looking at a one-off the zone card later in the year. My personal take is that, you know, Triller threw a very successful event last year with Tyson and Jones, and they thought they had a recipe for success. And since then, since then, there's been growing pains in the boxing world because they lost a lot of money on this fight for it to not play out. And then they lost a bunch of money on the Holyfield Belfort fight. So they learned some costly lessons, you know what I mean? And they've indicated that they're done with those type of fights and they're looking to move on. But, you know, you still have a whole lot of money in the hole. Uh, I could also understand Cambosos' issues and ask for more money because of scheduling issues and it wasn't his fault. But he was fighting for his first world title and his 19th fight and was going to get the highest paycheck he's ever gotten so if i'm in his shoes like yeah i asked for extra money to see if i could get it but if i can't get it i'm still putting myself in a position where my life has now been changed by one fight win or lose and now he's left basically 2.1 million on the table and runs the risk of ibf moving on to the next mandatory so this might really the the main loser i mean lopez losing money too but he still got the belt but Cambosos is probably going to be one of the biggest losers if it plays out in the way where IBF just moves on from him. You guys have any thoughts? Yeah, the, the biggest losers in this, well, everyone loses pretty much. The only ones who win is, is the promoters who wasn't involved in it. You know? uh, and this is the reason why, you know, this difference between an actual boxing promotion and a promotion that just, an entertainment promotion that just happened to have boxing. Because it's kind of unacceptable to have a fight be, you know, canceled like a couple of days. You would never hear about PBC top rank, even the zone or, or uh, go to boy, uh, canceling the fight 
but uh, unless someone's got hurt or something like that, they wouldn't just cancel a fight, you know, a day because of promotional issues or money issues a day before it's supposed to happen or a couple of days. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. And the fighters are now seeing, they're learning, like, this is, this is as much as you can love or hate, you know, top rank PBC, the zone, all these other promotions, but they've been doing it for, for a minute. You know, they know how it's supposed to be done. And now you have, a, you know, they, they ran the gamble, which, you know, it, it was worthy. It was worthy for uh, Tiafimo Lopez to, to, to gamble and, and, you know, play that gamble. But it, it ended up, you know, he ended up losing because now, you know, not only that they, they lose money, they went through a full training camp a full training camp just for the a promoter to say, oh, we lock it up the door. It's like, you know, being prepared to go to work, you know what I'm saying? And, and you go to you get to work and you can catch the bus and walk three miles to your job just to see bars on the door. And then, and then like, we don't even have your check for you. We're not paying you. And now you have to figure out how you're going to, you know, get home. So it, it's a very unfortunate, you know, situation. Uh, and I'm not sure how the situation is really going to get Fix. Of course, we can. They can re- reschedule the 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 the, uh, the fight and have another uh, purse bid where a promotion picks it up. But at this point, you know they already went through a, a training camp. This is not just like a week before the fight. Whatever these fighters are basically like close to to, to weighing in. You know, what I'm saying and to go through the, have to go through that again. And really, they, they they've been going through this for for you know a couple times now you know, going up and down and they're not fighting. I think this is really, I'm curious to how, what this effect this is going to have on uh, both fighters. But the lesson is there. Triller is not a boxing promotion, you know, and they're an entertainment promotion. Yeah, if, if I can just add in a, a few things. So I, all that's, that's the news, right? That's, that's what happened. That's as far as like Triller and all of that. I'm not, I don't care. Like, fine. My thing is this. I think that the fact that this has been pushed back several times, you know, it was supposed to be in August and then like Lopez supposedly had COVID, you know, I guess we got to take it for if that was the case. But a lot of people were saying that they just couldn't generate enough revenue, like the tickets weren't selling and all of that type of stuff. It wasn't that much interest. So they just used that as an excuse to push it back to October. You had other issues that took place. And then, like you said, they got left with egg on their face. I look at it like this, though. Like, that's all fine and dandy. Business is business. I think that Teofimo Lopez, he got big-headed. He thought that after he won the Loma fight that he was this huge attraction and, you know, all of those things. He should have taken care of his mandatory, right? Just take care of the mandatory and then move on to bigger and better things. Because even with the Lomachenko fight, that doesn't mean that you are the man now. You have all of the belts. And he was making all of these excuses. Oh, I don't have to fight Devin Haney. Devin Haney has the fake belt. No, nah, man, you have. You should be taking on who's the best opposition that's available. So he didn't even have to fight Kemosis because that's a unification match. So he could have went in that in that direction. Um, the other thing is he's young, he needs fights. So all of this extending out, not fighting, training, and all of this type of stuff, all that's doing is hurting him because he still has holes in his game. That would have been a perfect opportunity for him to work on some things against a fighter, the caliber of a, um, George Cambosis. And then, like I say, move on to bigger and better things. Fight a Haney. Then you can get a Tank Davis. Then you can get like one of those mega a rematch against Loma. He's like, no, I don't want to fight Loma again and all that. No, man, you took the wrong approach. And in the end, it bit you, right? And so 
you know, who knows what's going to happen next as far as this fight and everything else. But at the end of the day, he needs to fight. Like, he should be one of those guys who's fighting, like, two or, at least two or three times a year, you know, as opposed to having these long, lengthy layoffs. So, you know, I think that it's just karma for him, the approach that he took after he beat uh, Lomachenko. He thought he was better than what he was or bigger than what he was. It's like Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley didn't take that approach when he beat De La Hoya because even though he beat De La Hoya, that still didn't make him the man. De La Hoya still can generate more revenue than he could. It's just the fact that he had that notch underneath his belt of beating De La Hoya, but he understood that. So he still went out there and fought tough level of uh, uh, composition, um, competition such as uh, Vernon Forrest and people like that. Now, it, it didn't work out for him, but at the end of the day, you got to have respect for him because he went out there looking for the best. And so these guys need to take a look at that as opposed to, you know, figuring out ways that you don't have to fight guys. I'm over here. I'm, I'm making this money at Triller. Ain't nobody ever fought over there. Like Triller's not a, a company that does big fights. They do Snoop Dogg type of events. You know what I'm saying? So and, and, and to a certain degree, I'm happy that he, he's, he's um, in this situation and hopefully moving forward that he'll think differently. And he'll begin to look and seek out the best opposition. And then you'll be, you know, in a situation because you earned it. You know what I mean? You know, by keep fighting and facing the best fighters, you know, that are available. Yeah. Um, Jalen Rose, when he was on, when he was doing Grantland Pod, and he, he still says it sometimes, but he has one of my favorite quotes where he says, in sports and in life, you never get what you deserve, only what you have the leverage to negotiate. And so, in the sense that, strictly in the sense that Lopez thought he was worth more than what top rank was going to pay him if they would have had a card on ESPN, I understand him, you know, uh, his approach of, like, seeing if he could get more. But, yeah, the way it played out is is exactly how it played out. And, you know, he was, a, in the sense that, like, he lost some time. Um, he was a loser in that sense. He, he did lose in that sense. But um, yeah, I think every I think all three sides have lessons they can take from it. I hear and I hear that, Danny. Only reason and business wise, that would be smart, right? And I don't blame him for that. I blame him for the manner in which he conducted himself after beating Loma, where he was like dangling the belts, and I don't have to fight these guys. I don't want to have to fight Loma. I don't. I, why should I have to fight Danny? Yeah, he's a paper champion. I don't like that part of it. And then when he's, you know, got the um, payday that he was thinking that he was going to get, he was so he was gloating so much about that, that that's the reason why I'm saying that, you know, he kind of deserves it just based on, you know, how he conducted himself afterwards. I got you. I got you. No, that makes yeah, sense. It blew up in his face. That's what it's mm-hmm. <laughs> You played the game and it blew up in his face. As simple as that. Yeah. All right, so you got a potential matchup between Ryan Garcia and Jojo Diaz um, that seems like it's about to happen. I'm not sure if it's on box rec or not. But uh, recently, the WBC, they said that if both of those guys fight each other and refuse to fight Devin Haney, then they're going to take them out of their rankings. Uh, What do you think about the WBC's decision to do that? Um, It makes sense to me, you know what I mean, because – if you look at the past year, Ryan Garcia beat Luke Campbell at the beginning of the year, and then he became Haney's, man- Haney's mandatory, but he wanted to fight Tank and Pacquiao instead. 
And then okay, it was like, okay, well, who's Haney going to fight? So then that's why Haney took on Linares, had a pretty good fight. And then you had Jojo Diaz, who fought Javier Fortuna for the belt that Garcia vacated. And you would think that, you know, the winner of that fight will want to fight for the main belt. But now you have Jojo Diaz, who's looking to fight Garcia instead of the actual champion. Um, now, what should happen from this is that, yeah, so Diaz should fight Garcia, and then the winner becomes a mandatory, and then they fight Haney. And basically what WBC is do- doing is looking out for Haney in the sense that, like, we're going to try to get one of these guys to fight just so you get their name on their resume. That's pretty much what's happening. So, yeah, Haney will fight whoever, and then he will fight the winner to, quote-unquote, unify the WBC belts, you know, the main champ and the interim champ, so there's one champion. So there's going to be one champion regardless because either that mandatory is going to be stripped if they don't fight him or they're going to fight Haney and then there's going to be one true WBC champ. Again, I think it's cool of them to do in terms of reassuring Haney, but I don't think it actually changes anything because both Garcia and Diaz are showing up to this point that they're more interested in the money fights than they are in becoming a WBC champ. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but... I guess it's like a good faith act on WBC. That's kind of all I really get from it. You guys have anything else? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. And it's interesting because when these organizations, they're this year they've been very extreme. Like they do great things that make me think like, wow, man, they actually doing some good. But they, then they'll be comp- compounded with like just messed up things. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like this year, you know, with this, now they're saying, hey, you know, uh, Jojo Diaz, Ryan Garcia, if you win, if, if you want to keep this interim WBC title, you have to fight Devin Haney, which is like, wow, yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, and also, you know, they, uh, they also, I believe it was a WBO that basically said that Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter had to fight and that and that was ordered to happen which is a great thing also but then you know just a couple of weeks ago or last month you had the, the the oscar valdez uh debacle that uh wb the ba basically uh fumbled on so it's, it's almost like it, it, the question should be asked like what are these organizations you know what direction they're trying to go in and what are they doing but i will say that it's a, it's a good thing that they, they are looking out for Devin haney and that they're, they're saying, hey, look, somebody has to fight. This guy has the belt. Like, why, why isn't nobody fighting him? How, why, is, why is mandatory, which is these guys, interim champions, don't want to fight him? And it's like, that's why I'm not, I'm not going to call any of these guys the future four kings or whatever, because by this time, the, the four kings of the 80s that, that a lot of people want to compare them to, they were already solidified. So that, that t- those titles are out the window right now. It's, it's done. It's, it's over. It's not. It's, there's not much they can do to, to, to obtain that again. But props to WBC for enforcing this position, you know, and, and hopefully we get that that fight in the future, the winner versus Devin Haney. Yeah, that four Kings thing was capped. They, they had called that too early. I mean, I felt like people saw four rising stars and, like, you see something that looks like something else and you want to point something, you know, you want to label it the same thing for, like, nostalgic purposes or whatever. But I... I didn't really buy it because even when that was being like they were being inherited like that, you still won't see a real indication that they wanted to fight. Well, Haney wanted to fight, you know, but you know, I mean, by this point, Lomo was kind of like avoiding Haney and people were kind of picking their fights anyway. All of this is cap. 
We're in a matrix, bro. <laughs> because of the fact that you'll think, you'll say, you applaud the WBC and you'll say, oh, great. Thank you. Now you're um, trying to help out Haney. You'll applaud the WBO. Oh, man, that you um, are trying to make a good fight with Crawford and uh, Porter. That's not what it is. The underlying factor is going to be the bread. It's going to be the money. Follow the money trail because what it is, they are impacting the WBC's money, those sanctioning fees. So if I'm sure that a WBC interim champion doesn't pay as much in sanctioning fees as the real champion. And so while you sit up there messing around with their money, then that's when they're going to take action. As far as the WBO is concerned, as far with the um, Porter and Crawford fight, Porter is in his last fight with top rank. Bob Arum really has a lot of say with the WBO in terms of who's going to be ranked where. You know, they're in cahoots with one another. And so I'm sure that he that played a factor in them determining that now is the time for Porter to be ranked number one. He's the mandatory, so let's go ahead and enforce this. That's all that is. It's, it's the money thing. And as far as both of these guys um, deciding to not fight the WBC champion, this is unprecedented. You know, typically, historically, fighters go through the ranks to get a world title, especially the WBC strap. That's been the most coveted belt of them all. But I think this is a microcosm of the world in which we live. You know, fighters aren't interested in being the best anymore. It's either they're scared, you know, to lose or they make it about business. You know, and it could be the promoters. It could be the networks. You know, fighters now, they're selecting, you know, to use the excuse. Like the, the excuse now that's running rampant is the fact that um, that person he he isn't known enough for me to fight him. So I'm going to fight somebody else. Like how Tank Davis took the approach that he's going to fight like Mario Barrios for that belt. He was a secondary champion. He bypassed all of those other dudes. And so he ended up fighting him. That's like we in the unique situation. Like I said, it's the Matrix now. It's not like it was before. You know, dudes don't have a heart. And then the promoters, networks, they're not helping out the cause. So, I mean, you got guys like we just mentioned. As far as Lopez, Lopez was talking about how after he beat Loma, you know, that he don't have to give him a rematch. He doesn't have to fight Haney, you know, that sort of thing. So that's what's permeating through the sport of boxing. But like I said, it's just the world in which we live. Nothing is the way it was before where it was all about who was the best. And that's who was the people who were like being rewarded the most. Like they're getting rewarded by doing this type of stuff. And, and, and it's, um, it's sad, you know, and it's not helping the cause of the sport of boxing. So our last topic, uh, I think you guys want to send a shout out to, you know, eight-time champion, uh, one of the all-time greats, Manny Pacquiao. He decided to hang him up um, this week. You guys want to share a few words about old Pac-Man? Yeah, I'm just glad that he's hanging it up. I'm not sure. Uh, of course, he, he he has to hang it up in order for he can, so he can run for president in the Philippines, which he, uh, I believe he's going to do next year. Um, but even but if he loses that uh, election, there there's probably a, a chance that he could come back, and that's the thing I'm concerned about. Uh, yeah, fighters fight, and you know he's still uh, capable. But you know, he, I mean, what else can he really do? I mean, what else can he do? Um, and 
his career, you know, is, is interesting because he's looked at at a certain uh, level, but he, sometimes you have to, it's almost like looking at, looking back at a, the, the first parts of a rapper's career that everyone thinks came out of the gate on top or something like that. You know, uh, you got to understand, Pacquiao, you know, he wasn't favored to beat Marco Antonio Barrera, who was basically coming off his uh, victory over uh, Prince Nassim Hamed. But you, but if you even even if you look at that Pac-Man that beat Barrera in that portion of his career when he was fighting the the Marquez the uh, Morales um, the, the the fighters of that stature at one twenty six and one thirty you never would have thought that this this guy same guy would be looked at as a potential opponent at one forty seven for the top echelon uh, over there so um, props to him you know he had a good career. He's what forty two, probably be forty three in in a few months. Uh, hopefully, he rise off to the sunset and cause a career. And if he wants to step in that ring, hopefully, it's just exhibition. You know, I just want to salute the man. You know what I mean? Because he, I have fond memories of thinking about Manny Pacquiao. You know, like I said, eight time champion. I mean, I think he's done some things that will, you know, if we see it again. I don't think I'll be alive to see it. Somebody going all the way from flyweight to winning a 154-pound title, especially in a manner in which he did it. So many different, uh, you know, times that you saw him that he just he he gives you those memories, those lasting memories. You know, uh, the first time I remember seeing him, I didn't know who he was. I can't remember the guy that he defeated. It was at a lower weight. I don't even know if he was slated to to win that fight, but I do recall like the Barrera fights, you know, how, how well he performed in those fights. I remember the Morales trilogy, you know, the first fight, Morales got it. And then he ended up, I want to say, knocking him out, you know, in the next two fights, the Marquez fights, you know, and the Cotto fight. I remember being in the sports bar in Addison, Texas, right outside of Dallas, when he knocked Ricky Hatton out cold. I thought Ricky Hatton was out of here. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you know, saying a prayer for him the way he, he demolished him. But just the manner in which he did it, when the stage was like the biggest, he was always up for the challenge, you know? So I have nothing but respect and praise for him. Um, I'm not even going to even think about whether or not he's going to come back or not. But just as far as his career up to this point, shout out to you, Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. Yeah, man, the guy's a legend. I, I I don't think I don't think we'll get another Pacquiao. You know what I mean? And I, I was gonna preface that with saying like with the way boxing is today, but the reality of it is, even if boxing was the way it was before, we still wouldn't get another Pacquiao. Like to see somebody go from like just about Chocolatito size to move up where he is where he is now and challenge the best fighters says so much about him. You know what I mean? Like twelve major titles at eight different weight divisions. First boxer to win the lineal championship in five different weight classes. First boxer in history to win major world titles in four of the original eight weight classes. You know, the guy won the guy won world championships across four decades. There will never be another fighter that that does that. And so, you know, shout out to him. I'm glad that he chose to go out when he did. Uh, this is a perfect time. And I wish him the best transitioning into, you know, his new life. Right, Danny. And then on top of that, like let's say for instance, somebody, like you said, Chocolatito size, and he's he was smaller than Chocolatito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. When he first started. But it's just the way he went about doing it. 
you know, how can you come from that small of a size and still have all of those attributes, you maintain the speed at certain points, his power didn't seem like it like diminished or anything like that. But just those moments, like I said, the big moments, he delivered like that. What comes to my mind is that Kodo fight. What comes to my mind is that Hatton fight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Moments like that, that you will just never forget. And you just got to go ahead and salute, take your hat off. And, um, you know, just hopefully what he has going on now is just as rewarding for him as what he did when he was in the prime of his career. 100%. Now, on that note, fellas, man, we can wrap things up because we, we exhausted, you know, a lot of energy on a lot of different topics. You know, I think we covered a lot of ground today, but I'm going to end on this, man. I'm out here on the balcony. I'm smoking me a nice little cigar, uh, sipping on some of this uh, pumpkin latte from Starbucks. And so I'm thinking about what I might do for the rest of the day. How you fellas going to enjoy the rest of your weekend? I already did all the enjoying I was going to do. The rest of my day going to be, I have this, this final group project that won't get off my back, but as of Tuesday, it'll be over. So I'm going to wrap that up. And, you know, for the listeners, I'm, I'm studying to get a professional scrum master certificate. So hoping to wrap the, my boot camp up and have that cert by the end of the month. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to relax, do some laundry. I might, uh, you know, write a little, little bit. <laughs> I always had dreams of being a screenwriter it never really worked out, but I do want to send a, a shout out to one of my friends who uh, he's, he put out about three novels at this point and a mini novel. Uh, his, his novel series is called Origins. His name is Christopher Laird. He's a uh, emerging sci-fi author. And just, just uh, thinking about how I, that's the first time I've seen someone from inception, just do something from the, the, the start of it and really you know, said, I'm going to do this and really carried it out and became successful at it. And it was very inspiration for me to, you know, do things like even this podcast where, of course, it was something we talked about, but it's like, uh, you know, let's do it and let's put that, that, those words to action. So shout out to uh, my boy, Chris Laird, you know, doing his thing. Yeah, shout out to Chris. Shout out to you fellas for, you know, it's always good to continue to grow, you know what I mean, with your writing and Danny, what you're doing you know, as far as furthering your career, that's always something good. It's something that's inspirational to others. So it's good to hear that. For me, I work so hard during the week, man. Like on Sundays, typically it's my rest day. I try to get off the grid, you know, to a certain degree and just sit back, rest, relax, you know, enjoy a Sunday with you guys talking boxing because that's my passion. And, um, you know, sorry, Kaepernick, but, uh, you know, today I'm going to watch a little football, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go to Yard House to check out the Packers or if I'm going to stay in the house like LL when he played Marion. You know <laughs> so, but on that note, you know, hopefully you enjoyed the ep. And uh, we'll be back to recap the big fight card next week with headlining with uh, Fury and Wilder. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace, and don't yes, miss sir. next weekend. Peace.